how can I secure my product in such a way that the client gets more trust on the system mm-hmm. without being worried about the third party who can control his digital assets. From that time, actually, I started my blockchain real career. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Encrypto Podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed Al-Balaghi. First of all, I want to say Eid Mubarak to all of our Muslim listeners and supporters from around the world. I'm really excited about today's episode because I rarely come across individuals who are building real Web3 projects in the Middle East. Today, I speak with Mohammed Abdu, who is the founder and CEO of Pravika. Now get this, Mohammed created Mina's first blockchain-powered email service, focusing entirely on security and user privacy, which is not really found in today's email services. And in this episode, we hear about Mohammed's journey, why he's so passionate about bringing privacy to Mina, and what it's like to build a Web3 startup in Egypt with users from all around the world. Now, before we start, I want to welcome a new sponsor to the show. Today's episode is sponsored by Telechat, a privacy-focused social messaging application with an integrated payments wallet called CoinsApp. Now, CoinsApp allows you to stay connected with your loved ones and make payments worldwide, all through the power of blockchain. Thank you so much to the folks at Telechat for sponsoring the show. And lastly, I'd really like to thank those who've been supporting the show. And remember, you can support us in any way possible. You can subscribe, rate, and review the show sharing the podcast on your social media and any other way you feel like supporting. And now on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Encrypted Podcast. My name is Ahmed Belaghi. Thank you very much for tuning in. It's been a really interesting period and world we live in right now. And yeah, I just hope everyone is is keeping safe and ensuring and maintaining isolation or social distancing. But we really hope all our listeners and our friends and supporters are all safe during these really, really world-changing times. Today with me, I have a very special guest. I was really keen on getting on the show. His name is Mohammed Abdo, who's the founder of Pravika. Say hello, Mohammed. Hello, Ahmed. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And Thank Ramadan you. Kareem as well. Ramadan Kareem. Thank you so much. Great. How's the fasting going? How is the month of blessings? You know, this is a special time for all of us. So we are trying to cope with the circumstances we have now. At the same time, we are in the middle of Ramadan. Everything is going well. So I hope that everyone soon can go back to work and everything in life getting better. Inshallah. So I would like to know, you know, a bit more about you. I would like to hear a sort of an introduction about yourself and how you got into blockchain. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm an, an Egyptian engineer working in the field since 1999. So you can consider me as an old tech guy. I was working with computers since it was operating by DOS. Mm. Before Windows coming out, I worked with for the past 20 years in the software engineering industry, especially in the fields of information security and cryptography. Mm -hmm. Actually, I started my blockchain career by chance. I was in a business trip in the United States in 2015, and I wanted to wire some money. This is a great story, actually. I wanted to wire Mm -hmm. some money to my family. And it was a long weekend that day. And one of my American friends told me, hey, Abdo, why you don't do it by Bitcoin? Something faster and cheaper. Basically, I was knowing nothing about what he is saying. 
I remember that I spent the whole three days for the long weekend digging deeper, trying to find out what this mysterious world of Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and trying to understand the underlying technology, which yeah. is the blockchain. It's, it's something really excited to start learning about something not too much people in the world know about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's still an alien topic for sure. Yeah, it was. I think I started to, to look for studying materials, trying to discover. I didn't find any courses, any long, deep dive material so they can help you mm. in, in finding solutions or, or understanding more. I even started to download the, the, the source code trying to explore what's the mining and what they are doing. Actually, it, it was a long journey. And what, when was this you said? It was 2015. 2015, okay. Yeah. And when I returned back to my country early 2016, I, I met a friend of mine. Actually, he is an entrepreneur working on, on a digital transformation product. But he asked me, because he knows my information security background, he asked me, how can I secure my product in such a way that the client gets more trust on the system mm -hmm. without being worried about the third party who can control his digital assets. From that time, actually, I started my blockchain real career. Let me be honest, Ahmed, with you. I really wonder when I hear someone introducing himself as a blockchain expert. Actually, we don't have experts in our space Expert, it means someone who can tell you every single details about this complicated innovation yeah. and can solve all the blockchain challenges that we are facing nowadays. Mm. This is really a new innovation, Ahmed, and actually the only one who can call him an expert suddenly disappeared in 2011. And I think that more than 99% of all blockchain people over the globe less than seven to 10 years experience. So we all still exploring and trying to find how we can use this great innovation in the most perfect way to, to increase the transparency, to improve the user's privacy, to enhance data integrity and, and fighting against the legacy corrupted system, at least to make our life much easier. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, I definitely feel that it's funny because when you said most people on average, let's say, have seven years of experience in this technology. And when you think about that, that's, you know, you know, not a long time in the grand scheme of things. So it's like somebody said, you know, Bitcoin is what, 11 years old and 11 years old is still a kid. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Cool. All right. And what I really wanted to know, actually, because I've only been to Egypt once when I was a kid and I would love to visit. And I've always been very interested and curious about what the blockchain scene is like in Egypt. Do a lot of people there care about sort of this new, this new notion of this technology? Or is it more around the speculative Bitcoin crypto trading side? Because when I'm on Telegram and I see these Arabic groups, I see a lot of them only on trading. So I'm yeah. interested to hear sort of your on the ground take. Yeah. Well, I think that we are in Egypt, like all countries in the region, still exploring how to use this great innovation in the best way. But we need to mention something very important. Blockchain, by definition, is something depends on the decentralization concept, where the algorithm 
is the only thing that controls the decisions without allowing the human factor to participate or to get control over anything. For example, no single entities or company controlled the Bitcoin, as we all know. No one can stop it. No one can allow issuing, like, for example, 50 million instead of 21 million. So this characteristic is acting as a great barrier against adoption for this technology in a wide range nowadays. And I think that this was the main reason that pushed many blockchain infrastructures to start exploring some new terms like private blockchain, where you can get benefits of data immutability and fast verification process and many other advantages, but at the same time, keeping a decent kind of control that is required Mm -hmm. by the stakeholders. I have heard about a great initiative from the Central Bank of Egypt to come with something called EQIC, based on blockchain Mm -hmm. technology. This is to reduce the time and cost of the know your customer process inside the financial sector. Also, the National Bank of Egypt, the biggest bank actually in Egypt, has mentioned something between the lines of signing MOU agreement with the Ripple network to enhance and accelerate the cross-borders money transfer. But I'm pretty sure that in the next three to five years, we will witness an exponential increase in terms of blockchain adoption, especially in the developing countries, Ahmed, where the blockchain can give a solid ground for the governmental operations and also can reduce the corruption. I believe that blockchain adoption is coming mainly from the developing countries rather than the developed ones. Mm -hmm. And what... I mean, you, you mentioned those interesting use cases, the one with the, the central bank and the one with Ripple as well. Which one is currently sort of, if you could just focus on one and just share a bit more insight into, you know, which one of these is actually taking place and actually being used or actually sort of, you know, changing lives of, of the people it's trying to impact? Yeah, I think the nearest one started is the EQIC, but I don't think it's operating full functionality now. I I think it's still in the test mode. Like they are trying to connect in one single network all banks all over the Egypt so that everyone goes to any bank. There is no need to repeat the operation of know your customer with different banks at the same time. So just only once, and then Mm -hmm. you will have the authority to allow any other bank to get or to extract your information after your permission. This is the main goal. This still at the at the test mode operations. I think nearly it will it will be affected and everyone can 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 get the benefit of using this great initiative by applying the EQIC based on blockchain. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely a use case for like financial passport really across all banks. Yeah, makes sense. Um, It's good to see that happening, really. I'm interested to actually hear more about what you do at the company that you founded, which was called Dmails, right? And now it's called Previka. Yeah, I pronounced that right. If you couldn't explain that, we'd we'd love to hear more. Yeah. So, sure, for sure. So, Previka has been existing for about a year now under Mm -hmm. the name of Dmails. As you, as you mentioned, it was just an MVP that is trying to solve the problem of email data breaches and leakages. 
let me tell you that there is a famous attack for emails called business email compromise attack or BEC. Mm-hmm. You, you Google it, where where the attacker can compromise your business email and act on behalf of you in different ways, like doing some financial transactions and many other acts that might lead to, to serious consequences. Mm-hmm. So BEC or business email compromise was the main reason for about $1.7 billion losses for enterprises in the U.S. only in 2019. That's up with a significant increase for almost 60% from the year before. And it's still counting. So we have started our MVB a year ago trying to solve this huge problem. In our journey, we have explored different blockchain infrastructures trying to find the best one that we can use to build our platform. Let me focus here about something very important. When you're trying to develop something new, especially in the blockchain, you need to be sure that after some time, when you reach to something like 1 million users and so on, you need to be sure about the scalability of your system and the ability to maintain the functionality for tens of thousands of users, maybe millions of users at the same time. And we also need to understand that blockchain by nature is something not scalable. So you need to think carefully about what's the infrastructure that you are about to build your application on. So in order also to make our development cycle a bit easier, we found Blockstack and we used it already to launch our MVP. By time, we have discovered that the challenge doesn't exist in the email only. It exists in all human communication tools like chatting applications where the user privacy is completely mm-hmm. violated. Yeah, This is all because of Web 2.0 architecture where every application is based on the client-server model, where the server is responsible for the user authentication. And our model, which is aligned with Web 3.0, every user in the Bravica ecosystem creates his own identity, not an account that we can control or stop at any time. No, it's just an identity. The user identity holds a set of keys, and these keys live with the user. We mm-hmm. don't store these keys in our service. This is something critical in any application based on encryption and decryption functionality. You need to be sure that the encryption keys will be with you, not with the server, not with the company that operates the service. And by your keys, you will encrypt the whole data related to you inside the application. And you will give the permission to anyone that you you want him to read or to decrypt the contents. So this is known as user-owned internet, where every user owns and controls his data. Mm. And the company behind the product will not be able to collect or monetize from the user's data. That's it. Interesting. So as a business, then, how do you monetize if you, right? This is is a great question because as long as we don't collect data, we don't monetize from your own data. So how we make money? Simply because we are selling the service. We are doing a service for you and you are paying for the service. I think this is a critical turning point 
in the business model all over the applications. We don't need to monetize from the user privacy violation. We can monetize from selling the service to the user and the user owns his own data. This is actually what we are doing. Before we move on, we have a quick ad break. We focus heavily on privacy in this podcast today with our guest Mohammed. Privacy and secure communication go hand in hand and are necessities in today's world. We invite you to check out Telechat, an innovative privacy-focused social messaging app. And Telechat actually combines social messaging with a hybrid decentralized database and a fully integrated social payment solution called CoinsApp. Look out for the high-quality peer-to-peer voice and video calls, all focused to allow you to utilize the app in a secure manner. So guys, make sure to check out Telechat and CoinsApp. And now back to the show. Interesting. And do you think that there would be the societal shift where people are, you know, they will actually want to pay just to ensure that their privacy can be maintained instead of having something that's for free so that their their data can be taken? Do you do you see that yes. happening? We see it actually. We see the needs. Now people all over the world actually we already measured this phenomena once we launched the emails because we discovered that people from maybe more than 110 countries all over the world mm. started to explore the idea, started to, to generate or to create identities, started to send some email messages with our new system. People are suffering from the privacy violation. And this phenomena is increasing day by day. And we, we can see a lot of news coming out telling about how it is dangerous to depend on a big giant like storing your own data. This is something mm. very critical. I think there is a lot of cases around us telling us that your privacy is something very important to care about. Yeah. And I don't need as a product owner to monetize from your privacy. There is another way that we can monetize and at the same time we can keep your privacy and we can increase your digital life security. I'm interested, is all of what you're saying right now, I'm sure you know, you've been speaking about it a lot with people in Egypt. What is a general take from the people who, you know, don't know much about this technology and are sort of for the first time hearing this idea about we need to get our privacy back? What's their take on it? You know, is it something they're like, yeah, that's true. This is something we need. What is the feedback being? Yes, this is this is not in Egypt only. It is from all over the world. I mm. I met actually some people use emails last year. I had the chance to meet them personally in different events. Actually, they are asking us to add more features. This is something interesting. Yeah, because you know when you when you come with MVP project, it is not a hundred percent complete with all functionality. You are putting some critical functions and then you can sense and you can measure from from the user behavior what he wants to do but we discover that they want more and more they want mm-hmm. us to to add more functions to build more tools i still remember someone asked me not just using email but we need to do it on the chat applications and this is actually we did what we did yeah. in practica we added more tools, more features. Now you can do text chat, voice messages, video chat, and voice 
calls all with the same concept of privacy and encryption. So people understand actually what we are talking about. Day by day, we discover that there are too many people in a need for our product. Mm, Cool. That sounds good. And from your experience traveling and looking at both the sort of the Western world and also how, you know, the the Middle East and the Arab world is currently faring and and building in this space, how do you see the, the comparison in terms of innovation and use cases between what's happening in MENA and, and the Western world? Well, in the time of new innovation, we are all standing at the same level, Ahmed. Mm. But the countries that will support startups and entrepreneurs to take the innovation to the next level are the countries which will see the huge positive impact. Mm. Unfortunately, we don't do this in MENA. Try to count with me how many blockchain startups you know in the whole MENA region. Very few, right? Yeah, I mean, I, so, up to 10, yeah. Well, well yeah. a few more. Yeah, yeah more than 10. Yeah, yeah I, I understand where they come from. Yeah, yeah. The blockchain-based startup pipeline in MENA is still not very big. And I think we can imagine after three to five years from now where the blockchain startups getting more matured around the globe. And then we will buy those products because they will have the technical know-how as same as for the last 20 years with the internet revolution. We should know that blockchain is not a new technology. It's not a buzzword. It's, it's a real innovation that will reshape the whole internet in the upcoming few years. And if we will not be ready, then we should blame ourselves because we're still far away, Ahmed, from the level of being technology adapters, not only users. I hope that this will be changed in the upcoming years. I hope that I can see more and more blockchain startups, more and more emerging technology adapters all over the MENA region, because this is the only gate for us to to be at the same level, not Mm. far away with 10 of years. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I I really hope to see way more innovation and, and more people really putting their heads down to this technology. And final question before we wrap up, what would you say is the one thing that made you the person you are today? Um, thank you, Ahmed. It's, it's, it's a, the passion. It's the only way that it's actually drives me in the, in the hardest time. You know that building something completely new is a very hard and, and a long journey. And if you don't believe in what you are doing, no one else will. So Mm. passion, the only way that you need in your journey. Building something very new, Ahmed, it's a long journey. And there is some adoption time and you need your passion to come over all the challenges. Especially in in blockchain, the adoption, Ahmed, can take maybe 10 years or more. Think about the GPS, you know? Mm -hmm. GPS 10 to 15 years ago, it was a military service, then came down to prices, then to the normal user. So mm-hmm. the adoption life cycle maybe maybe takes some more time rather than what we are expecting. So if you don't have the passion, I don't think that you can complete the whole journey. Absolutely, totally agree. 
I love that ending to the podcast. Great. And thanks a lot for coming on. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they be able to do that? I'm available on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and my email is abdu at privacado.io. Just drop me a message and I'll be very happy to reply. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much once again for coming on. And thank you. We're really able to see each other post quarantine. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and stay safe. Ramadan Karim. Ramadan Karim.